Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is out. Second Amendment attorney and licensed firearms instructor Guy Relford, the gun guy, in for Hammer. Guy, how are you? I'm great, man. It's always a pleasure to be here with you, Nigel. Southwest Airlines continues to be a huge story in this country. Thousands of passengers stranded over the past couple of days. Thousands of flights canceled. Hundreds of flights here in Indianapolis canceled. Over 15,700 Southwest flights have been canceled since last week, originally due to the the weather it sounds like there's some sort of operational uh, malfunction going on within the the company and that brings us to the drivehublo.com hotline we'll bring on the expert one of our favorite guests mike hatton former commercial airline pilot to give us some perspective mike hope you had an awesome holiday hope you're having a, a great week how are you I am great. I'm having a great holiday, uh, continued, extended, and thank you for having me on again. It's great to be back. All right, Mike. So give us your 30,000-foot perspective, um, literally, former commercial <laughs> was, airline pilot. Yeah. That, that was a good pun. That, I, I, I'm not a big fan of puns, but that's outstanding. What do you, It seems like it's something more than just the weather, obviously, with Southwest Airlines. What are you hearing? Uh it is. And what, what I'm seeing and the things that I'm hearing from their messaging, which, frankly, Southwest messaging has been very soft, and that's very common for the airlines, and they just think things like this will go away, but this one's not. Uh, the main thing I'm hearing, this is a technology problem. They did not invest in technology when they merged and grew exponentially. Their systems can't keep up with it, and that's uh, training systems, that is booking systems, reservation systems, and it's the crews have not been able to communicate with scheduling. Uh, they can't get a hold of crews. They can't get pilots and flight attendants moved into position for other flights. This is the worst I have ever seen. And you guys know me. You've had me on the show before. Yeah. I usually try to walk a very fine line, balanced, uh, not criticize the airlines too hard, not criticize the employees or the unions. But this is one where Southwest has been woefully inadequate in their response to this, in my opinion. And I don't speak for any airlines or any employee group. You know, Mike, it surprises me, though, because Southwest has been an airline that I've flown hundreds of times, and I've not not necessarily experienced any problems. Maybe to reschedule here or there, or maybe a delay, but but you're telling me this is all coming to a head now. Um, like, why haven't they had to deal with this problem necessarily this bad before? Why is it just coming? Why is it just poking its head out now? It's been patchwork. Okay. Uh, the the weather hasn't been as bad as it has this time. This has been, you know, a pretty significant weather event sure. around. And uh, they just aren't able to do this. Denver is hit really hard. Midway is hit really hard, which is what's affecting uh, you. I think you have a lot of flights out of Indianapolis that go, to, uh, go through Midway. And uh, some employees I have seen in Denver have been asked to submit sick slips from doctors if they were sick. Now, this is, you know, they, they call it the tridemic, you know, the RSV, the COVID, the flu. Sure. 
And, uh, you know, the, the employees are stretched in, and uh, they have declared the emergency operation conditions there where they can require legally employees to submit a sick slip like you're in the third grade. And, Mike, this is Guy. Uh, and didn't this uh, appear to be as well, and, and you've alluded to this already, and uh, and I don't want to throw another pun out there, but, but it was somewhat of a perfect storm in the sense that we did have uh, incredibly adverse weather across a big part of the United States. I mean, a lot of cities experienced ex- very adverse weather, whether it was snow or incredibly high winds, combined with a lot of people are sick right now, given the time of year and the, the quote-unquote tridemic. And then you had a, a rush of holiday travelers that are, to some degree are going to overload the system to some degree. And then the very recent rapid growth of Southwest with a dramatic increase in the number of flights, the number of, of, of not only passengers, but crew and airplanes that they have to keep track of. And the system just couldn't come anywhere close to handling all those stresses that really seemed to hit them pretty much at once. I would agree 100% with that guy. And by the way, it's very nice to talk to you. This is the first time we've talked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you are right on target. But the one thing I would say is all of the other airlines had the same thing to deal with. Yes. Mm-hmm. All of these cancellations the last since December 22nd, Southwest, the statistic I saw, is responsible for over 80% of those nationwide combining all the airlines. Uh, and this is just... Really, this is just they're using systems from the 90s, booking systems from the 90s, and uh, it caught up to them because this was a major event. So what is what is the recourse here? We're speaking with the former commercial airline pilot, one of our buddies, Mike Hatton, here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Mike, what is, you know, Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, has been on TV today talking tough, Biden administration talking tough. We're going to investigate this, but really... Like, what are they going to be able to do realistically, do you think, when we're talking about uh, a government investigation into this? Well, this is uh, this is an excellent question, and, and Guy can probably offer some insight into this, too, being an attorney, a 2A attorney. And by the way, uh, Guy, you're my favorite kind. I had uh, a <laughs> career as a law, a law enforcement officer. Uh, awesome. In career. Fantastic. Yeah, so, uh, so anyway. So you obviously uh, went through the flight deck uh, firearms training program then, too, I'm guessing. Well, actually, I did. Uh, awesome. I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't, I don't mean to detract, because I, I, I could have a whole other conversation with you about that. Well, well, we'll do it sometime. But yep. anyway, the question about uh, what can the government do, uh, it's been my experience, and this is where I say Guy might have some uh, some input here. It's been my experience that the government really likes to work with the airlines. They try to balance uh, regulatory enforcement along with economic growth, too. They don't want to harm the airlines economically. And as long as you show that you're trying as an airline and you don't embarrass the government They will work with you, and they won't treat you too harshly. But when you embarrass the government, it's been my experience as as a manager when I was at the airline, they will come in and they will hit you with a hammer, no pun intended, hit hit you very hard with that. And uh, I think that that can be done in this case and may be done. And that can be in the form of heavy fines. Uh, They can reevaluate routes. Uh, They can look at applications for new routes and maybe look at those in a different light, less favorable than they would have before all this happened. There's a number of levers they can pull. And Mike, I bet you can empathize with with this as as a a former pilot yourself, or former commercial pilot. Um, And that is that I've seen some posts, and, and you know, it's social media, so you don't quite know what's authentic and what's not. But I've seen a bunch of different posts um, that are very similar 
in in content, and they are essentially from primarily pilots, the one I've seen, and but some other crew members as well, that are saying, "Listen, we've been impacted by this too. We are stuck in airports. We can't get flights. We can't get airplanes. Uh, and 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 when even walking through the airport in uniform, you know, they 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 seem to get the hateful looks from people essentially saying, "Aha, these are the the crews that don't want to work, or the crews that are in a a labor dispute or something, and we're paying the price as passengers." And what I've seen repeatedly in this instance, specifically with Southwest, is the crews and the pilots in particular are expressing as much frustration as the passengers saying, look, we've been stranded places we don't want to be. Uh, we, we can't get hotel rooms. we got people sleeping in, in hotel lobbies in, 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 in cities where they don't live. And, 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 and it's frustrating for them that they, to some degree, are getting blamed for it by passengers who may not have the full picture. You're absolutely right. And by the way, thank you for mentioning that there are other other groups than the pilots because yeah. uh, they work just as hard and in many cases harder. If you think about it, the flight attendants are the first face that people see when they get on the airplane and the last face they see when they get off. They are the first and last chance for those passengers to have a good experience. And they are taking it hard uh, from a uh, passenger attitude standpoint on this. Pilots and flight attendants want to see people have a good flight, even in times of labor turmoil. There will always be labor turmoil, and it will always get worked out. But the one thing that we always wanted to do, and I've been through it, is make sure that passengers had a good experience, because we tell people, we tell our people we're training at the airlines, there's always somebody in the back of that airplane that it's their first time they've ever flown, they're going to a funeral, they're going to a wedding, they're going to see a, a relative that they may never see again who's ill and um, we want those people to have as good an experience as they can all right mike before we let you go i always have some like random airline uh, commercial pilot questions that uh, you know i could talk your ear off for an hour and, and when you next time you get to indy we'll go to st elmo's and i'll buy you dinner and and i get to the only the only deal is i, I get to pepper you with uh commercial you know aviation oh questions. i gotta horn myself into this yeah, I, you, both the dinner too. and the conversation absolutely so i've got a history history at St. Elbows that he knows about yeah. the backstory. Yeah. Now we're talking. So I'm reading this headline. I clicked on this headline on Drudge Report that said uh, uh, let's see here. I am a Boeing 747 pilot. I've seen UFOs defying all known tech. I captured a cigar-shaped object on camera. I, this is one of those British tabloids. Have you as a uh, pilot in private or commercial ever seen something similar to what you would call a UFO? Well, that's an easy question. I thought it was going to be like the first show where you got me to choke. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, I haven't. Um, I have not, and I have friends that have said they have, but I have not. Really? But I, you know what? I got to admit, I am uh, a junkie on uh, a lot of these shows—the ancient aliens and uh, things yeah. like that. Especially since the government has released a lot yes, of these. Yes, exactly. Uh, recently. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and you okay? You kind of mentioned it before. We don't have to get extensive into it, but as a commercial pilot, did uh, you carried in the cockpit? Um, yes. You allowed to talk about that at all? You, I mean, you have to go through training, obviously, but I, I feel much more secure and better if I knew that the oh, pilot, absolutely. you know well, what I mean, guy. Well, there was the the, uh, the flight deck officer training program that uh, was instituted after 9-11, and, uh, and, and they got some of the best training in the industry. Uh, obviously, you've got an incredibly sensitive environment being in an airplane, yeah. crying out loud, um, but I was a huge fan of that, and, when I, and I actually got to um, sort of uh, my 
monitor a, a big chunk of that training. And uh, and Mike, I guarantee you, got some absolutely outstanding training in going through that. I was a big fan of that whole program, and in particular the training program they put together. Yes, it's an excellent program. And like I said, I had a background in law enforcement over yeah. uh, in West Virginia, not too far from you. I was a state policeman here. I was a founding member of a tactical team, response team. Oh, wow. We didn't call it SWAT, but we called it SPEAR. And um, I got some really good training there. But then when I got to uh, the FFBO program, and some of that sensitive security information, obviously, sure. tactics and things like that. But, uh, uh, Guy, you pretty much summed it up. It was excellent training and um you know, it's the random nature of it. It is the uh, deterrent. One more here for you before we let you go. Mike Hatton, former commercial airline pilot. Every once in a while, I see these stories of some drunk, unruly, drugged up passenger that tries to open the door to the airplane at 30,000 feet in the air. Is That's not even possible, is it? The Hulk couldn't open that airplane door once that airplane <laughs> okay. is pressurized. I'm not saying that nothing, you know, that person should be arrested and never be allowed to fly again, but you can't open an airplane door at 35,000 feet. All right. I just, I, I was just. No, checking. no, no, no. The, the, force on that door holding it closed is 8.3 pounds per square inch of pressurization. <laughs> so imagine how many square inches on that door. I'm not good at math, so I don't know. But uh, I know it's the Hulk could not open that door. I'm so glad to hear that. Because yeah. you and I just had this story. Yeah, we did, yeah. You know, one of the last times I subbed, like a week yeah. ago. And, an idiot. And, and, and look, I'm even though I'm a, a firearms instructor and I spend a lot of time teaching and, and training in self-defense, I, I don't necessarily want to hurt anybody. But I said on that show when I was up, we discussed this issue. I'm sitting in my seat, and, and some crazy person tries to open a door at 30,000 feet. I'm hurting them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, they're, they're, I'm sorry. They're getting hurt. Uh, but at least uh, the urgency, uh, given Mike's answer to that question, I, I kind of thought that from an intuitive standpoint, but I'm just glad to hear it confirmed from someone who knows. And, Mike, before we let you go, do you um, you know, have a book out there, You know, any, any website that you want to promote, or where can people find your work or what you're working on right now? You know, Guy, uh, um, sorry, Nigel, and right. Guy, I have um, a book I'm working on, but it's not far enough along now to okay. get it out. But um, my website is, uh, you can get me two ways. The website is thegrowthfacilitator.com or simply my name, mikehatton.com, and you can reach me at mike at thegrowthfacilitator.com. Mike, uh, Happy New Year, man. You're always welcome back on this program anytime. Let me know the next time you stop by Indy. We'll go out to uh, St. Elmo's and get some shrimp. Yeah, and hey, I'm going to get your contact information too, Mike. This is Guy, and uh, may have you on uh, the Gun Guy show uh, at some point uh, where we can get into some more 2A stuff because that'd be a fun conversation. Yeah, I'd like to talk to you uh, offline about a couple things. You made me, when you were talking about the guy at the door, uh, you know, there's some good Samaritan protections there, and you being an attorney, I'm sure you know about that. So that would be an interesting conversation. All right, let's talk about that. I'll, I'll get your contact information from Nigel. We'll go from there. Mike, Happy New Year. Okay. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Thanks, Mike. Uh, James Cameron has some regrets about the Avatar <laughs> sequel. He had to cut some scenes out. You'll never guess why. That's next on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah.